if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Hosea, chapter 4. We'll be looking at verse 17 this morning. When you look at Israel in the Old Testament, particularly the northern tribes of Israel, especially after the kingdom of Israel had split in half, you had pretty much idolatry, chasing after false gods. You had wickedness. All of these things happening in northern Israel. And when you look in First and Second Kings, you can see that northern Israel was ruled by a bunch of wicked men. Um, in First and Second Kings, all of the kings for northern Israel, it said, did evil in the sight of the Lord. None of them did anything good. And Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, it fared a little better. You had good kings and bad kings in Judah. Yet, northern Israel, all the kings were evil. And what we see is that God sent his prophets into the northern kingdom of Israel as well as the southern kingdom of Israel, to preach against the sin that was going on. Yet, with Hosea, what we see is God giving instruction to the tribe of Judah, or the southern kingdom of Judah, in relation to the northern kingdom. And it's instruction that we can learn from today when we are confronted by sin in the world. Look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. It's written, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. And Lord, we just thank you for all of our mothers, Lord, and what they mean to us. And, and Lord, we just Pray a special blessing to them today, Lord, as, as we go through this day. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. Just illuminate your word for us, Lord, and help us just to learn from it. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts today. And Lord, just give me the words to say and just hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord... Again, if there is anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would just open up their hearts today. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at what God commanded Judah. And this command given to the prophet Hosea. Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Ephraim being the name given for the northern kingdom. So when you see the name, even though the northern kingdom was made up of the majority of the tribes of Israel, the name Ephraim is used for them here. 
And God commands Judah to leave them alone. Leave them alone. Don't go around them. Just let them be. Leave them alone. Why? Because the northern tribes were ensnared with idolatry. They were ensnared by idolatry. They had left following God and had begun to follow idols. They were joined to their idols. And you see this from the first king of the northern tribe, Jeroboam, all the way to the last king, Hosha. You see the northern kingdom just ensnared by idols. And you see this all through first and second kings. And we see the beginning of this idolatry in 1 Kings chapter 12. Now you don't have to turn over there, but if you look in verses 25 through 33, what you see in 1 Kings 12 is after Jeroboam had become king of the northern tribes, he starts to set up idols. And he sets up idols in the city of Bethel and Dan, and he does this because he does not want the people in the northern kingdom to go back into southern Israel to worship. He did not want them going to Jerusalem. So instead of letting them worship God, instead of setting up temples or, or whatever in the northern kingdom so they could worship God, he sets up idols. And then he also sets up high places for these idols and as well as the high places, he makes his own priests. Pretty much shunning the Levites, he makes his own priests for these idols. So idolatry was rampant. And everything that goes with idolatry, whatever you can think of that goes with idolatry, whether it was child sacrifice, fornication, prostitution, murder, whatever you can think of that goes hand in hand with what the Lord says happens with idolatry in the book of Leviticus, it was going on in the northern kingdom. And it was so rampant that God tells Judah, let them alone. Let them be. Don't go to the northern kingdom. Just leave them alone. Now, why did God tell Judah to let Ephraim alone? Because he did not want Judah to be ensnared with the same sins. He did not want them to be ensnared with the same sins that was going on in the northern kingdom. And we see this if you look at verses 15 and 16. Look at what God tells Hosea. He says, Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah sin. Let not Judah sin. Come not ye unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Bethaven, nor swear the Lord liveth, for Israel is rebellious as an unruly heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Now I want to point something out. Look at what he says. Instead of calling it Bethel, he calls it Beth-Avon. 
Bethel means house of God. Beth-Avon means house of sin. So instead of God using the name Bethel, house of God, he calls it Beth-Avon, where that idol had been set up. He calls it a house of sin. Gilgal was also another holy city, and God says, don't even go there because of the idolatry. So God says that the northern kingdom is playing the harlot. They're going after false gods. They're going after these idols. And he says, Judah, do not follow them in sin. Don't follow their sin. The northern kingdom was ensnared with idolatry. And look at what God also says. He says they are rebellious as an unruly heifer. And then he says, now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. And you might be thinking, what does that mean? It means he's going to punish them. That's what it means. Feed them as a lamb in a large place. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to disperse them. Like a bunch of lambs in a large field, they're going to be dispersed out. I'm going to punish them by kicking them out of the land. That's what he's saying here. Yet, in all of this, he did not want Judah to fall to the same sin as the northern kingdom. Let him alone. Do not get ensnared in the sin, the wickedness, the idolatry of Ephraim. And this makes sense when you think about sin. Think about sin for a moment. Think about idolatry. It's easy, very easy to fall to sin. The temptation, the enticement to fall into sin. It's very easy to do. Now, you might be thinking, well, this would only happen to someone who is spiritually weak. You don't have to be spiritually weak to fall into sin. People that are spiritually strong fall into sin. Everybody sins. Now think about how easy the northern kingdom fell into sin. Who was the king before Jeroboam? The son of Solomon. And he had only ruled for maybe a year or two before the northern kingdoms rebelled. Solomon ruled 40 years in Israel. Now Solomon had his problems, but he pretty much stayed true to God. And who ruled right before Solomon? David, a man after God's own heart. And David had his problems. David fell into sin. But David stayed true to God, so you're only 40 years from David. And the northern kingdom knew God. They had been worshiping God. Yet as soon as Jeroboam sets up those idols, they flock after the idols. That's how easy it is 
to sin. They quickly left God for the idolatry of Jeroboam. And we may think that they were weak spiritually. We may think, well, we would never do that. It's very easy for Christians to fall to sin, especially in today's society. I mean, think about all the temptation, all the sin that we see around us on a daily basis. We can fall just as easily into sin as Ephraim did because sin is enticing. And Satan knows where to attack us because Satan knows us better than we know ourselves in many times. And he knows what to attack. And God knew that Judah could easily fall to sin which is why he commands them to leave Ephraim alone. Do not fall into their sin. Leave him alone before you fall to the idolatry, the wickedness that you see in the northern kingdom. Do you know Christians have a similar command that's given to us? And it's pretty much almost identical to the command given to, to the tribes of Judah by Hosea. Turn to 1 John. First John chapter 2. And look at verses 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. Love not this world, neither the things that are in this world. If any man love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. Christians are commanded not to love the world. Why? Think of the sin that's in the world. Think of all the sin that is in the world and think about how people act in regards to the sin. It's just like in in the tribe of Ephraim. People flock after their idols in today's society. And they have their idols. Just as God commanded Judah to let Ephraim alone, we are commanded pretty much to leave the world alone. Do not get ensnared in the sin that is in the world. That is what John is telling us. Do not get ensnared in that sin. The world is wicked and you are to stay away from that wickedness. 
and not be ensnared by it. Why? Because look at what he says. The wickedness that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that encompasses all the wickedness that you read about in the Bible. We're not to do it. We're not to go near it. We're not to love the world and the wickedness in the world. Why? Because we can very easily fall to that temptation. Very easily fall to it. And the reason that we can easily fall to the temptation is because before we knew Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were up to our eyeballs in it. The only difference between someone who is saved and someone who is lost is the blood of Christ. We can very easily fall back to that old nature. Which is why John tells us through divine inspiration, love not the world nor the things in it. Because it can ensnare you. It can ensnare you. And being tempted, we can easily fall to these things. It does not matter if you are spiritually strong or spiritually weak. Satan knows where to tempt and he knows how to tempt you. And he knows what will make you fall. And he's been doing it for thousands of years. Look at the northern tribe of Israel. Yeah, Jeroboam set up the idols, but who enticed Jeroboam to do it? Satan. Satan did it. But then look at something else that John states. If any man love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now there is a common misconception about what John is saying here. Many people think that John is saying that if you love the world, the love of God is not in you. He's not saying that. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is pretty much if a man loves the world, they are not going to love God. The love of the Father is not in them. Love reserved to the Father is not in them, is what he's saying. It goes right back to the teaching of Christ. Remember what Christ says, you can't serve God and mammon. You're either going to love one and hate the other, you're going to follow one and not the other. He's saying the same thing here. If you love the world, you're not going to love the Father. Why? Because the world is sinful. And if you love the world, you love sin. And if you love sin, you do not love God. That's what he's saying here. The world represents sin. Love of the world is love of sin. It's love of sin. The lust of the eyes, 
the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, idolatry, wickedness, everything that encompasses worldliness. Worldliness. Sin. The world is full of wickedness. It's full of sin, and it is against God. It's against God. Thus, we're not to have love for the world. We're to let the world alone and not be ensnared by the sins of the world. Now, this does not mean we don't go into the world and witness. We're commanded to go into the world and share the gospel because the world needs Jesus Christ. We're just not to love the world and what it represents. We're to leave it alone when it comes to the sin that's in the world. Don't touch it. Let it be. But we're to go into the world and witness because the world needs the gospel. We're to go into all the world and share Christ with those who are in the world those who are ensnared by the world. But in doing so, we are to shun the sin and the evil while we evangelize to those who are in the world. And we find a great example of of this and how we are to act with the world in the Bible. Turn real quick over to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph. Joseph gives us a great example of how we are to interact with the world. And how we're to act when we're confronted by sin. Joseph had been sold into slavery and was in Egypt. And though he was there, he had not forgotten God. And we see this whenever he was interpreting the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer. And when he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, he said that interpretation of the dreams belonged to God. It was, you know, God was the one to get the praise for that. Yet, when he was in the house of the one who was his master, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, tried to tempt Joseph into committing adultery. And what did Joseph do? He said it was a sin, that he couldn't do that to his honor. It was also a sin against God, and he ran out of the room. And then he ran out of the house. He let it alone, as God told Judah. He let it alone. We as Christians are to do the same thing. When it comes to sin, 
whatever the sin is, let it alone. We are to keep our eyes on Christ at all times. Look at what John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. He says, And this world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that fulfilleth, now look at this, he that fulfilleth the will of God abideth ever. Or abideth forever. The world, this cursed earth and all of the sin and worldliness that's found in it is going to pass away. It's not going to last forever. God will put a stop to it. Yet those that follow Christ, those that live for Christ, those that have Christ as their Lord and Savior and keep their eyes on Christ will abide with Him. Thus the command, let it alone. Idolatry, worldliness, sin. Shun these things and keep your focus on God and His will for your life. When it comes to sin... Let it alone, because it will entice and ensnare if we succumb to the temptation. God's will for us is to live a life of holiness and not sin. His will for us is to live a life apart from the world, not a life of worldliness. We're always to keep our eyes on Christ at all times. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the examples that we have in your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we go into this time of invitation. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus on you. And again, Lord, if there are those that need to make any decision today, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.